This is Fluency at Your Fingertips by Seb Answers, a podcast for English language learners and teachers. An outstanding teacher develops many abilities over time that become natural practices in the classroom. These grow from reflection on teaching experience and learner performance. First, great teachers are good listeners. They act as facilitators of learning, guiding students on their paths. Second, great teachers are fair in their assessment of students, giving feedback. They are constructive in corrections and moderate in praise. They address issues with classroom management quickly, effectively, and diplomatically. Third, and most importantly, great teachers give students as much individual attention as possible. In doing so, they learn what motivates individual students and then apply this information in materials selection and adapting teaching methods to meet the needs and interests of students. Take as an example, one of my teaching assistants from three years ago, who is now the teacher of his own classes. He told me he was wondering what really motivated his students. He has seen that the school year or semester begins with a lot of energy among students. Their energy level diminishes slowly at first and then rapidly at the end of a course. As good teachers do, he's asked himself what he can do to stimulate motivation among his students. He asked his colleagues another indication of a great teacher and dedicated teacher. When we must follow a prescribed syllabus, we may supplement the required materials with some texts that will bridge the gap between abstruse topics and the interests of students. Thus, the teacher focuses more on tailoring teaching methods to student needs. When we as teachers have control over the course content, we can select materials that will appeal to our students. In contexts where there is complete flexibility, teachers can opt for self-directed learning and make students responsible for selecting texts. In this case, we presume students have intrinsic motivation to learn about the topics that pick their interests. Because intrinsic motivation has the greatest effect on student achievement, educators ask, what motivations are at play among our students. Students may initially want to please either their teacher or their parents by earning good grades. If the grade is evidence of achievement, what achievements beyond promotion do the, to the next level do passing grades represent? Grades mark progress on the path toward graduation, and they may indicate academic aptitude. Despite the nice feeling of seeing good grades, when they are hard-earned, the ultimate payoff may be years in the future. With graduation far off for young students, we must continue to ask, what motivates our students more deeply? Pupils want to be accepted by their peer group, and though hard work in class may not be part of this equation, task-based learning can target this motivator. In addition, students deeply want to learn something of value. Learning is based on developing discrete skills, skills that can aid survival in a real and useful way. 
Therefore, the third realm of motivation is twofold, self-improvement and self-improvement with the aim of serving a greater good, one's own community, or even the world, since individual longevity relies on collaboration with others. Being of service begins with dignity, not to be perceived of as a burden on one's family or the society. Yet education is deferral of work at the higher levels. Full-time study is a luxury for many people because there is a trade-off between lost earnings and perhaps debt in the present and the potential for higher earnings in the future. Very practically, students therefore consider what subject or course of study will bring them the greatest benefit. It is for this very reason students as utility maximizers in economic parlance question whether school is worth their time. Unfortunately, not everyone can afford the luxury of an education for its own sake, nor is every student as keenly focused on the long-term payoff of their time spent on coursework. Most unfortunately, some students cannot perceive achievement in education is either within their reach or promises to pay off at all. Now, at a nadir of moral integrity in leadership in the United States, educators must seize the time to stimulate civic engagement among pupils to propel them toward achievement in school and success in life for the betterment of society. Apart from the political framework of governments, the other aspect necessary to making comparisons between countries is the economic system. While government investment in tandem with private corporations in countries like Vietnam, China, and Singapore may seem to parallel the subsidies that the United States government provides to the energy or pharmaceutical industries there is an important difference. The stakeholders, which are the entire citizenry in the Asian countries mentioned, are also shareholders. As such, they are the people voting not only for civil servants, but also for the policy of industries in which the government has invested. Conversely, in the United States, once a drug or technology has been developed in universities or by the Pentagon, it is auctioned to corporations for them to bring the product to market at the highest price they can get for it. Unfortunately, prices are not as responsive to demand in the United States as they are in Asia. In Vietnam, there is less menu pricing across various industries and therefore a higher price elasticity of demand. In particular, the prices of goods in the industries in which the government is invested are not driven by profits, but rather are set for the welfare of the people. As I am most familiar with the Vietnamese economic situation, having lived in Vietnam for five years between 2014 and 2019, I'll continue with it as my example economy under a single party state. Unfortunately, for the Vietnamese citizenry, there is very little regulation of the local economy. And to that extent, the economic policy of the Vietnamese government promotes a greater level of free trade and purer form of capitalism than exists in the United States. The interventions that benefit people in the United States with regards to public health or environmental protection are robust in comparison to Vietnam. 
these hard won regulations, as in labor, food safety, and equal access in the United States, stand in stark contrast to the lack of regulation or barriers to entry in markets in Vietnam, where hazardous work environments are permitted and poor waste management is tolerated. The reasoning behind this is all to stimulate foreign direct investment. There are high levels of surplus labor, low wages, high savings rates, stable price inflation, and favorable interest rates. The economy is booming and shows no sign of slowing down. The population is large and there is great demand in the domestic economy for both local and imported products. While these labor protections and regulations had been a point of pride in the United States, the United States has, in 2020, found itself at a low point with regards to public health, affordable higher education, and environmental stewardship. Why then does the United States push for democracy in other countries if it fails so greatly in its own private profit? From the U.S. point of view, if there were wider enfranchisement in developing nations where governments exercise tight control over public discourse, it would be fairly easy to get people to vote for a more liberal government with regard to privatization of natural resources if they can be sold on the benefits of laissez-faire economics. While such changes would inevitably favor foreign actors and limit sovereignty, they would be easily portrayed to have a favorable economic outcome for a country struggling to develop. More private wealth among a population fuels hope of escaping poverty. To the people of an imperial power, interventionism is sold as a path toward political stability, and as an added benefit, it would deter immigration. With a base of knowledge in civics, teachers offer society by way of their students the foundation for an informed, engaged leadership based on integrity, participation, and cooperation, a foundation without which there is no society.